Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Metroplex. It's game day on your home of America's team. Mike Golick Jr. is going to join us at 840 to preview the college football playoff with our TCU Horn Frogs in at Babe Laufenberg at 9 a.m. He was already hitting me up last night in Nashville. And Bobby, you were able to get us Andrew Whitworth on the Amazon Prime coverage. Possible, probable future Hall of Fame offensive lineman who teams are still begging to come back. And Andrew is now joining us here on Sean and Bobby on the Diamond Factory Hotline. Good morning, man. How are you? Sean and Bobby, what's going on? How's TV? Doing great. Yeah, we're doing well. How, how's TV been? You know what? It's been a lot of fun, man. I, I don't know if I really understood I'd have this much fun, you know, getting to go every week to all these stadiums and kind of investing and getting to know each team. It's been really exciting and fun to be a part of this group. Long-term career for you? You can see yourself doing it for a long time? I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot of fun, so I don't see why you wouldn't if you, if you had the opportunity, that's for sure. Have you said something to where you were like, ah, my cell phone may light up, another player may hit me up, I'm still boys and friends. Have you said something that, you know, got a little bit of backlash from the uh, the player community? Uh, I think, you know, when you look at the game of football, if you're always kind of evaluating, you know, what's good football and what's not, you got to just be confident in how you see it. And I think, yeah, it definitely comes up. There's times where you might say something that, you feel like, oh, man, somebody's definitely going to have their feelings hurt or just be a little irritated that you had to say that. But if you feel like it's, it's what's right and what, how you see the game, I think you got to be willing to be honest and, and, you know, paint that picture. What is your film study difference now versus when you were a player? I think Romo was talking about or, or, or Brady or Drew Brees was saying, oh, you know, it's, it's not a lot less as a commentator than it was as a player. What, what is it like for you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, if you really think about playing the, you know, offensive line, you know, you're understanding defenses and you're studying the guy you're playing, but you may not be looking at the entire picture all the time, every week of every team. And I think really it's been exciting for me because it's almost all new stuff. I mean, learning the quarterbacks and understanding, you know, what they're being asked to do and some of the offensive schemes that you may have, you know, got a chance to watch before but never really dive into. So getting to do that and understand the coaches and kind of the front office and how they set up their teams – uh, that part's been really invigorating to, to kind of look at the big picture and can kind of zoom out a little bit. So I think for me, that's been really probably the part that's been the most fun is every week taking it on, like I'm scouting or learning about a team and a franchise and want to understand exactly how they tick and who they kind of lean on the most as a team. And, and so I think that part's been 
you know, interesting to get to know how the league works from a bigger picture specter than really just your spot and your position. Are you doing those behind, are you involved in those, you know, Thursday or Friday night meetings with the coach and like the QB? Are you involved in the, in all those? No, that'd be more like your TV, you know, that actually calling the actual game, um, you know, stuff like that, analysts so, and broadcasters. So that, that's more their thing. I think ours is a little more what's cool being a former player is just the reach you have and reaching out to guys on the team and even coaches, obviously, at my age. You know, while I was playing, I was as old as most of the coaches. So uh, just getting to reach out to those guys and talk to them a little bit behind the scenes of, of their team and where they're at in the year. So I think that part's been – uh, you know, something you enjoy being a former player. You have a pretty good connection, you know, this quickly to the game, stepping away from it and being involved in this. Uh, you have a really, really good connection to the locker rooms. We're talking with Andrew Whitworth here on 105 Through the Fan. Andrew, uh, you know, we're always really curious for the national perspective. We talk about Dak Prescott so much here in Dallas uh, and, and, and our own thoughts and our own debates about him and his level of play. We're always curious for kind of what the outside perspective is nationally. What is your take on on Dak Prescott and and how he stacks up as as one of the you know you know in the hierarchy of top quarterbacks in the NFL? Well, I think it's one of those things that you know you really look at Dallas's inability here you know in the recent times to to find a way to win it in the playoffs and, and get to that NFC Championship and then get to the Super Bowl has really you know put something that almost creates a label on him to where nothing will ever be good enough until he accomplishes that because everything gets dissected from there. You know, I can remember being in Cincinnati when we went to the playoffs, you know, six out of eight years or seven out of eight years, something like that. And, you know, it's like if, because we didn't win a playoff game, it's almost like we weren't any good. And people forget how many games we won and, and really the credit you want to get for how you play your position and how you execute and win. And I think Dak's in that, that way. If you really look at his stats compared to a lot of other guys, he puts up a lot of great numbers and has a lot of success and wins a lot of football games. But he doesn't seem to have that win where you go, all right, man, you know, we're taking that next step to really who we are as a franchise and this is why he's here is to play in these big games and these big moments. And you just want to see him have that moment. You know, and I think this year they have just as good a team as any uh, to have that opportunity. You know, there's uh, – Micah Parsons obviously got off to a really hot start. We were just talking during the last segment about how – he had been the runaway favorite for defensive player of the year for much of the year. Uh, it's it's kind of shifted over now to Nick Bosa um, because he's, he's, you know, not had the same sort of production rushing the quarterback as he did earlier in the season. For you as an offensive lineman, if, if you were going up against Micah Parsons, how would you look to attack him? How would you look to neutralize him? Because he's, he's obviously a very difficult matchup for offensive linemen. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at him and Nick Bosa, man. They're they're as rare as it gets, and, and two different styles of rushers. But uh, you know what? There's a reason both of them are up there because they're both tremendous at what they do. But you know, I think for him, what's what's unique about it is it's just how fast he's gone from a guy that you might not might play some off the ball backer to a rusher, and then out of nowhere become just unblockable. I mean, literally, he went from last year like a, like oh man, this guy's a really good rusher to this year just dominating games. And, you know, not just his just rushing, but just his overall effort and his play. But I think, yeah, going against him, what you got to understand is I, I thought it's interesting to see him over the last few weeks. He's continuing to still, you know, invent himself and find himself a little bit and grow. And there's new rushes and new little hezzy moves and, and kind of some jump rushes that he's doing that uh, are interesting to watch and, and see him kind of start to work his game a little bit. What are the other things I can do? I, I think of Nick Bosa and how successful he was at a young age in the league, you know, he was most, mostly a bull SWAT guy. And now he started to work in a spin and some underneath moves. And I think that what's, what makes Micah so special 
is that ability to stop and start that he has. And so when you're playing him, you really got to be a, a lineman that has control of your feet, you know, and able to kind of play basketball and understand that he's going to stop and start you over and over again. And his ability to finish and, and really at the top of the rush accelerate to the quarterback is, is really rare. You know, I, I know there's been a lot of discussion about how offensive line is a, a position in the NFL that uh, I think a lot of people feel like is is thin. Like teams are always looking for as many offensive linemen as they can stack up because it's hard to find, you know, five really good ones, uh, much less depth. How impressive is it what the Cowboys have been able to do in terms of protecting Dak Prescott, being able to run the ball like they have, even with some of these injuries they've sustained, you know, with Tyron Smith being out for a period, Terrence Steele out now, Ty- you know, Tyler Smith starting as a rookie at left tackle. How impressive is the job that Joe Philbin and, and the offensive line coaches and, and group have done there? I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, to, to have some of the rotation they've had, uh, you know, having old Jason Peters there to, to, to be a part of that room, I thought was a really good move. Um, just from a veteran presence, regardless of how many snaps they actually thought he played throughout the year. Just being there for those guys and, and being in that room already makes people better just from his understanding and experience of the game. But, yeah, it's, it's impressive to see them do that. And then, you know, for Tyron Smith to come back and jump over at right tackle back where he started his career, uh, I, I couldn't have more respect for the ability to do that because I think people forget sometimes. I mean, talking to Richard Sherman, you know, and, and a lot of corners who've played one side most of their career, we always joke about, you know, it's literally you feel like you've never played football before when you flip <laughs> your feet like that. It's, it's really challenging. And so for him to go in there and play the way he's played, uh, you know, and to step right in and play right tackle, it's really impressive. What have you seen from Tyler Smith? Uh, I, I thought the Cowboys were screwed when Tyron got hurt. That's the way it's been over the past few years. And then yep. Tyron Smith is going to play right tackle for this rookie on the left side. What have you seen in his game, Andrew? Yeah, he just continues to grow. And, I mean, as an old lineman, that's what you want to do. There's going to be bumps and along the way, and you're going to have moments where you're going to play a guy that you've never seen. And I think that's the thing people have to give patience to as a lineman. It's a lot about feel. It's about like, being a boxer or a wrestler in the sense that you kind of got to learn who you're going against and what they're good at and how you can block it. Because watching tape is great, but until you feel it, until you've seen a guy like, man, okay, his, this is how good his spin move is, or this is how good his long arm or his bull rush or his hesitation moves are in person and actually gone through the rep, there's really no way for you to truly value how good they are at things. And so I think for, for him, just to see him continue to grow over the year, have a better understanding week in and week out of who he's facing and what they're good at, I mean, that's what you want to see is that the steps are taken forward. I'm learning every time. It doesn't mean every ref's perfect, but it means that I'm always growing and finding new ways to kind of to reach the success I want to play with. And I think that's been so impressive. Just I think not the mistakes or the positive games, but the steadiness, that he just continues to be really steady and really consistent. I think that's a great compliment for an offensive lineman. So with the points being down this year, everyone's trying to figure out different reasons with different theories. And one of them I heard was that offensive line play is bad, that it has regressed. Do you agree with that? And what would be some of the reasons if, if, you, if you do think that that has been a factor? Yeah, I mean, I hear people say that. And I think it's tough because, you know, I think there's a combination of things, guys. I mean, you know, the real, reality is the way your linemen are challenged today is not even close to what I was challenged at when I got in the league in 06, even in 2012, 13. I mean, today, defenses – and coordinators and defensive line coaches, they understand 
how to stress protections and rush patterns and everything else better than ever. I mean, it's, it is some of the toughest downs that I've ever seen in third down now in the league compared to what it used to be. I mean, you used to get a four-man rush, and you knew where everybody was, and you kind of knew by rotation who's coming, and now everything's disguised. Everything, man, you're getting picked by this guy. This guy's penetrating the line this way, or who's their worst player? We're going to attack him first and then have some kind of twist or combination off of that. I mean, the challenge is now to be an offensive lineman is much harder than it's ever been. And a lot of quarterbacks and, and coordinators who just want to sit back there and play shotgun and tell you exactly what they're doing. And you know what? It's like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, they're saying, hey, I'm going to stand right back here at eight yards all game long, and we're going to try to get the ball out in time. So I think there's a lot of things that go into sacks and pressures and quarterbacks get a bit more so than just O-linemen. I think that's hard for people to understand, but that's the reality. And I just think O-linemen today are challenged way more than they ever were when I first got in the league. Hmm. We're talking with Andrew Whitworth from uh, Amazon Prime, their Thursday night football analyst. Andrew, I'm curious, you know, we hear players sometimes talk about, you know, uh, fans don't understand the the injuries we battle through or analysts don't understand, you know, these assignments or these route concepts. And, and it's a frustrating thing when you're getting criticized um, from fans and analysts when you feel like they, they don't have a good understanding of, of the nuances of those sorts of things. What, as, as a player and now somebody who's in the analyst chair, what's something you wish you, you could communicate or, or you wish fans, analysts, everybody would understand a little bit better about the game that they maybe don't have a, a great understanding of? Well, I think it's it's really, uh, you know, how much time you got. Uh, no, it's <laughs> It you know it's interesting when you when you sit and watch a game, especially from you know if you're just talking from my position, offensive line. I mean, understanding sometimes the, the false starts or the holds, and and you know you get mad at a guy because he holds the guy when the ball gets outside of him. And the truth is, he's being taught all week, hey, this is where I want to block this guy because the ball will never get there. And then it gets out there, and there's no way for him to get his hands out from where they are fast enough. I mean, on film it looks like that, but that's not how it actually happens. And so there's a lot of things where the lineman's doing exactly what he's supposed to do, but somebody else or some aspect of the play has happened to force him in a tough position. And I think that's one of the things that's hard for people to really value and understand leverage and how plays are supposed to work, that, you know, it's really about all 11. And and so you, you really have to have a deep dive to know truly whose fault it is on certain things. And then it just drives me crazy when I hear – you know, broadcasters or whatever calling a game, blaming the O-line for protections and stuff. And when you know it well enough to know who's hot and who's actually supposed to have who, and, uh, you know, this one's on the quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of protections where the quarterback has a guy too or a running back has a guy too. And it's like, hey, this guy's coming, and, and you know, people are killing the O-linemen. But the reality is they blocked all the guys they were supposed to, you know. And so there's a lot of things like that that could be frustrating for linemen a lot of the time. And, I think that's just the nature of their position. I don't think it's a fault by people because you wouldn't know unless you knew the protection. But it's just the nature of what they do, and they have to become numb to some of that and understand that it's just about going out and doing their job and, and not listening to some of that commentary sometimes and, and having just a value in what they do and being consistent. Who are the Titans going to play tonight, and how do they have a chance in this one? Man, I, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I some way, in some ways, it could turn into you know a game two in the preseason where one team's decided to play their starters and the other decided not to. You know, so uh, just kind of it's going to be interesting to see the actually field on the you know put out there. And uh, you know, I think the key thing for the game for the Cowboys is to continue and build off of last week's win and 
and uh, say, hey, let's keep our confidence high. Because this time of year, it's really not about anything you've done all all season long. I mean, if I well know it, it's we, yeah. we, how many times have we lost to the San Francisco 49ers? Uh, and then we found a way to get to the NFC Championship and to find a way to beat them. And who cares? They beat us 10 times in a row, 14 times in a row. We won the only game that matters. And and so for the Cowboys, in my mind, it's about ignore everything, you know, whether people think you can beat the Eagles, all this stuff, stay confident, keep building, and just get hot at the right time. That's all you want to do in the playoffs, get healthy and get hot. The healthiest teams and the hottest teams win. And right now they have a chance to be one of those teams. And so I think they just got to keep that positive momentum going. And uh, for Tennessee, it's really about rest everybody and, and one last shot to see if we can win this thing next week. Andrew, your phone, we think, blew up a ton when Tyron went down. Uh, you were providing us with some Twitter updates. How close did it ever get with the Cowboys? Did you really consider it? And what can you say about this new Cincinnati rumor to try to get you back for a playoff run? Uh, I don't think the Tyron thing really got that close. I mean, obviously, people across the league reached out, not in the Cowboys, but just fans, uh, media members that, you know, obviously you've come close with, different coaches. Like, oh, man, you know, are you going to do it? And and so it was, it was fun rhetoric and all that. But, yeah, the Cincinnati thing is, is uh, up again. I think when you're one of those guys that's just out of the league and, and uh, people have a lot of respect for, you're always going to be in those conversations. And so I think this one's more of a, you know, Cincinnati Bengals faithful have always been amazing to me. And, and uh, I can thank Peter Schrager for stirring <laughs> the pot a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it, it's fun. It, you know, I, I appreciate it. I really do. And, um, like I said, I, n- I never say never to opportunities to play in the game right now just because I am still close enough to where I think I might could do it. But uh, there's so much that would go into that. I mean, you know, it would have to be, you know, the Rams still under technically under the reserve list for the Rams. So you'd have to get released from that. Then you got to find out if Cincinnati even wants you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the actual in the building, not the fans. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot there's a lot to that. So, you know, I think for me right now, man, I'm just, I'm loving what I'm doing and uh, all the love and, and uh, admiration from those fans has been really special, man. I love this game, and uh, I love the league, and, and I love truly love Cincinnati and L.A. where I've gotten to play and be a part of those fan bases. So I just appreciate all the love and the admiration from those folks. All right, last thing. Did you get on this beer bicycle yesterday, number one? And two, uh, I'm a huge barbecue guy. We are in Texas. What did you end up getting for lunch at the Peg Leg Porker? Uh, we went a little, we went some pulled pork and then uh, did a little half chicken, you know, some baked beans, a little mac and cheese. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you can't, you can't go to a barbecue spot if they offer banana pudding or some bread pudding. You got to take it down. So I did a little, <laughs> just a little, you know, not too much. <laughs> I had a couple bites, a couple dabbles, uh, but it was great. No, I'm, you know what? I'm trying to get one of these bikes today because I, I want to go to the stadium on one of the party bikes today. So <laughs> that's my goal. I want, I want to arrive dressed, ready to go. <laughs> On a party bike. Uh, I've been calling this morning already. I'm, I'm going to find a way to get there. <laughs> Put Marshawn on there, Sherm on there, and your Fitzpatrick yeah. in, in a beach all right, shirt. We're, we're riding over there today. Riding over, holding one of Duke Manny Weathers beers in your hand. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Andrew, thank you so much. We knew it would be good. You were fantastic, man. You're welcome anytime, and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you for uh, all the insight this morning. I appreciate it, fellas. Thank you all. There he is, Andrew Whitworth, Amazon Prime tonight on the Diamond Factory Hotline. That was great stuff, man. Good job, Bobo. Good job booking it. That was good stuff on the offensive line, Dak, everything. The Cowboys are talking to Terrell Owens. 
and the foods that got canceled in 2022. All that, Mike Golick Jr. and Babe Laufenberg on the way next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Mike Golick Jr. to preview the college football playoff. Is he giving TCU a real chance against Michigan? Golick Jr., I know he's going to be a really cool guy. Grossed out the internet with his mayonnaise uh, a while back. He'll be joining us at 840. Babe Laufenberg from Nashville at 9 o'clock here on Sean and Bobby. Bobby Belt in Choppy's chair for the next couple of days. Did you hear any interesting or outlandish Luca takes yesterday after 60-20-10? Other than the one I DM'd you guys that you didn't even want to retweet? I was very proud of myself. <laughs> See, uh, so this is an internal struggle for me. I don't want to give Skip Bayless any attention, but the fact that he's still making like six or seven million dollars a year, I want to try and take that away from him. I want to try to get him canceled, fired, unemployed. So I I want to on the radio lecture anyone who tunes into the show still. But so I have that struggle, right? People go, "Oh, you're retweeting the stupid stuff he says. You're just giving him the attention." But I'm trying to say. Don't be an idiot by watching or believing 1% of it. So that's my struggle. I know I know how we can naturally work those sorts of things in without giving him the attention. Okay. I, I will watch uh, Undisputed every day. I will take one of Skip's awful takes, and the next day on the show, I'll just work it in word for word in the middle of one of our discussions and you have to find when I worked in the skip comment. No. <laughs> I don't even want to take it that far. He said Luca's game was an eight out. His new thing, his new act is dogging Luca for some reason. Again, it's pick a card from the hat and that's your stance that you have to stick with throughout the rest of your TV career for these fake people. So his new thing is Luca's not that good and the 60-20-10 was an eight out of ten. An 8 out of 10, what Zion did last night was the real show, scoring 43 with 5. 43 and 5. Lucas was just an 8 out of 10. I'm just begging, stop. Please just stop watching. Don't ever tune in. Maybe for Shannon. Maybe for them 
Mm, Shannon's gotten worse too. He leans into it. I feel like too. He's a little. He's better. But I mean, it's also just like you know, lesser of the two evils. Uh, Peyton, you are monitoring a Knicks fan. Peyton, with their reaction throughout the fourth quarter in OT. Against Luca? Yeah, that's right. This Knicks fan. It was some kind of Twitch or stream or something. And you can tell in this audio clip, we have about a minute here, where the game is going. Because it's like one minute left in the fourth quarter. He's just getting really cocky. You know, he's saying, ah, oh, Luca's not clutch. This game's over. Pack it up and stuff. And then there's some some gaps where you hear Mark, Mark follow on the background, like do his play-by-play. And this guy, he's he's silent. He knows it's about to happen. He knows the comeback is, uh, is going to happen. And uh, so this is what it sounded like. Life is good, you know what I mean? Let him score that. It's garbage time anyway. If the Knicks not losing this, stop playing with him. If you think the Knicks losing this, you got you might be druggy. You might be a drug addict if you think the Knicks losing this. You might be smoking. You have to be an idiot to think the Knicks about to lose this game, bro. The Knicks not about to lose. I literally bet my whole life savings the Knicks don't lose. Come on, man. You better make this free throw number two. I swear to God. Thank you. Luca not clutch. <laughs> Luca's not clutch. I told you he missed. That's it. There's no way. That was luck, bro. That's luck. There's no way, bro. I hate the Knicks, bro. Y'all have I hate the Knicks. I'm gonna go comment on the Knicks Instagram page. <laughs> Someone said that was Kendrick Perkins actually watching the game with all his Luka hate and then having to shut it up. Vegas installed Luka as the new NBA MVP favorite. He's the new favorite now. So it's Luka at plus 270, then Jason Tatum at plus 275, the Joker plus 375. I think Tatum's going to win MVP. Personally, I don't have Luka in my top five. Kendrick? Gosh. I carry the hell on. Okay. Now I carry open the hell on. And listen to me, Kendrick. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, boy, you want to talk about an example of like, he's admitted before, and I know we've talked about that. Like, Kendrick, I kind of like him person. I like his personality. Who though. did he, like, didn't he fight with you at one point or something? No. Uh, there was something. There like was that. someone on one of the other shows. I don't remember. But anyway, he's, he's very, like, that's the thing is that he's, he said before, he's got a podcast. He's very open about it. Where he's like, yeah, they told me to say this. I was like, shoot, I'll take it a step further. Yeah, I'll say they're going to win three titles in a row. And yes. so he just, he does the bet. That was the thing about Luca the other night. Kendrick's reaction was like, I, I got I to cut right through the script on this one and just admire how great he was. And and that that should speak to Luca's greatness that he, he caused Kendrick Perkins to go out of his character. All right, we know that uh, people are getting canceled left and right in the times that we are living in, but... I got. I stole this from Mike Golick Jr. Actually, he tweeted the 2022 foods that have been canceled. All right, put these in order of how much it will affect your life, how much it'll hurt you. The McRib from McDonald's. I feel like though they always like bring it back though. Did they have like an old tweet that got exposed and so they were canceled? The McRib. I'm going to run through the rest of the list. That wasn't funny. It's, oh, it's so McDonald's McRib. Oh, so good. It's so McDonald's good. McRib. The Wendy's Vanilla Frosty? Was gross. Gross? It was gross, I thought everyone dude. loved the Frosty. No, they love the Frosty, which is the chocolate. You have and to go recent- half and half. No, you go half and half. No. It's great. You don't. How can yeah. vanilla be bad? How can, how can vanilla it's just Frosty not, be bad? It's just not good. Neither is the strawberry. The strawberry and the vanilla, they've tried to get cute with it in recent years. The original Frosty is chocolate. 
That's what it is. Okay. The rest, I don't know if I've had. Honest tea? I don't know about that. Terrible pun. Wouldn't drink it. Choco Taco. I have had that. That was discontinued in July after nearly four decades on sale. I feel like that disappeared like a decade ago. Klondike. Why would you get rid of that? The Choco Taco. Heard they'll do anything for a Klondike. It's fantastic. That was my mom's favorite. And then Chili's Original Chicken Tenders. Chili's got rid of chicken tenders? The Yeah. And we, we actually went to Chili's like two nights ago and that was gone. And there was something else I was looking for on the menu that was gone. Burger King's Chicken. Oh, that made Dawson sad. The chicken sandwich at Burger yeah, King? Dawson, he loved it? Dawson said it was really good. Really? Mm-hmm. Who Who is... When you're going around for the chicken sandwiches, who says, I got to get Burger King's? Well, he, that was when everybody was, like, developing their chicken sandwich during the chicken Popeyes. sandwich wars of 2019 or whatever it was. Yeah. And so they developed... So I think that was when everybody was willing to try, oh, what's this chicken sandwich like? What's it? And so... In that process, Dawson tried that one and was like, holy crap, this is good. Any McRib fans? No, it's disgusting. The McRib is one of those, uh, like, sandwiches that they just, they do, like you said, it's back. Oh, it's gone. Get it before it's gone. And they they create phony demand that then people are like, do I like the McRib? And then they eat it and they go, (laughs) no, this is gross. It's the extra meat pressed into a patty, and then they peel open those packaged barbecue sauce packets and dump it on top. That's what the McRib is. Nope, not me. That and the fish filet at, uh, at McDonald's. Can't oh, do it. Oh, I'll eat the fish filet. I mm-hmm. love fish filet sandwiches. A lot of people don't. They gross out by, like, the cheese and the tartar sauce, but I'm a sucker for a, for a fi- fish sandwich. Can I get you a fish sandwich? Uh, all right, it's DFW Sports Station. Babe Laufenberg going to join us from Nashville at 9 o'clock. Uh, we're also going to have crosstalk. KMC is on the road today. KMC is out and about. Uh, so you can stop by and say, are we going to have a crosstalk, a regular crosstalk since they're out of the studio? Or am I have to do a walk-off? Vegas odds right now, 3-1. to one. Let's let's hope so. They're at the uh, Texas Roadshow Shop in Mansfield okay. if you want to go see them today. But next, uh, one of the coolest guys out there. He's all over the college football scene. Let's preview the final four. With Mike Golick Jr., how much of a chance is he actually giving TCU. We'll ask Mike Golick Jr. next on Sean and Bobby. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Pistol, fake a handoff. They pitch to Bean. Bean rushing right side, looking to the end zone. Bean throws last minute too high. Incomplete. And the pass is airmailed. And the game ends with Arkansas escaping in overtime. 55-53. to Shootout in overtime. It's college bowl season. And, of course, we have the final four coming up this weekend. Sonny Dykes joined us for the second time. Uh, recently here on Sean and Bobby. This is your home of America's team. We'll get back to Cowboys-Titans at 9 a.m. with Babe Laufenberg in Nashville. But let's talk a little college football with Mike Golick Jr. joining us uh, on the Diamond Factory Hotline, and it's all courtesy of DraftKings. Good morning, Mike. How are you? morning. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Where are you right now? What city are you in? Uh, so I am currently in Los Angeles. I am getting ready to board a flight to Jacksonville uh, later today, 
to try and watch Notre Dame and South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. So my bowl season is not yet done. Is your flight with Southwest Airlines? No, uh, no. I, I, I gave myself that gift this holiday season and have managed <laughs> to avoid that so far. But, uh, man, uh, anyone who is in that mix right now, I'm thinking of you because, my God, what a meat grinder. Follow-up question. You're going to Jacksonville. What do you think about the city? As I just recently came back from there from the Cowboys game, and it was, it was, a, it was rough, I got to say. It was rough. Yeah, you know what? Jacksonville exists. Um, <laughs> is, I, I, it, I said it's it if a pawn city. shop was a city. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? And you know, an interesting. And you know what? We need pawn shops. So <laughs> every, everyone's got a purpose. Everyone's got something there. I'm. Ex- I wish it was. The one thing I forget about North Florida is that it can actually get cold. And so yeah. the weather forecast for this game has been less than ideal for me now because. I moved from Connecticut to Los Angeles in June, and I've become very bougie when it comes to weather, and I now have certain needs that need to be met, and I don't know if Jacksonville is going to meet them. All right, you uh, you grew up in a college and NFL household, so like, just as a fan, we're, we're going to talk college football, but as a fan, how do you divide your NFL and college love? Is it straight 50-50? Do you lean more towards college or more towards NFL? So, you know, as a fan, like getting to watch everything, it really is. Like if football's on, then I'm watching. I joked the other night, you guys will appreciate this, Luka Doncic goes for one of the more historic performances, the first 60-20-10 game in NBA history, and I missed watching it live because I was in the middle of watching the guaranteed rate bowl. I was watching Wisconsin fake a field goal on a baseball field in a game where neither quarterback had started for that team during the regular season instead of watching Luka Doncic do the incredible thing. So, uh, yeah, fandom-wise, it's right down the middle, really. Coverage-wise, listen, I I love getting to cover college football because – I didn't have the long NFL career that dad had. I played hot college football. It was what I grew up loving. And certainly, you know, my affinity for Notre Dame is still really strong. And so coverage-wise, I love getting to dive into these college towns and go get off the beaten path a little bit. But, man, listen, I'm ready to watch somebody hit somebody if it's on TV. All right. Does it feel like TCU is just the nice, cute little story? Sonny Dykes and, and, and the Horn Frogs, obviously a little bit ticked off that they feel like a you know the, the, the Final Four charity case. How are you looking at TCU, whether they belonged, whether they deserve to get in, and what real chance they have against Michigan? So here's the thing, like, belong and deserve, like, they're all that. Like, it, I feel like we do this every year with the team that winds up. The team's really in the three and four spot, right? Yeah. Like, we always look at it, and even if the result goes poorly for TCU, which it could, like, they still belong and deserve that. What they did this year was incredible. Managing to win that many games, especially the way they won, how close a lot of these games were, the different things it took for that team, that's really hard to do. Like, forget just the X's and O's of that mentally for that team to be able to muster that without having really had those results before. Like, it's one thing if you're a program that's been winning for years and years on end now and you've got a bunch of time under task in close games and you know, all right, when we get into these situations, I know how to operate. My heart rate doesn't really get up that high. (laughs) They didn't have the benefit of that. They haven't been a good team for the last few years. And so, no, they absolutely belong. They absolutely uh, deserve this. And, listen, they're built in the right ways, right? Big exp- and this is one of the things we saw across college football with you know head coaches in year one at new schools. 
when you're built with experience in the trenches, the way that TCU was, especially on the offensive side, you've got a quarterback that's played meaningful football. And then listen for them, Quentin Johnston's been incredible and is going to be a future first round NFL wide receiver. I think he had a pair of really good corners on the other side defensively to go along with some big beef up front on the D line and, you know, some timely use in the transfer portal for this team. Also, I they absolutely deserve this. They absolutely belong here. Now, do I think they're going to beat Michigan? No, I'm not picking them to do so this weekend. I think they can make it close because they've made everything close and because they're built in all the ways that we talked about here. But I still think ultimately right now, Michigan's further along in the process. Michigan, you know, kind of went through a lot of these warts and growing pains last year, and they've come back out on the other side even better in certain areas for it. So, no, TCU is not a charity case, but losing in the, the spot that they're in right now, being a newcomer in the college football playoff, doesn't mean you weren't supposed to be here. TCU obviously likes to, you mentioned Quentin Johnston there, like they like to push the ball downfield. The The passing game is a big part of what they do. But, uh, you know, how much of what we saw from Michigan at the end of the year against Ohio State with J.J. McCarthy, um, do, you, do you think that was an outlier? Or do you think that is what they're capable of if they try to push the ball downfield? That it's like, hey, J.J. McCarthy never really had the opportunity to do this. He He can do this if you ask him to. Well, so I think it's an outlier right now, and that's one of the things I'm most curious about this game is, all right, do it again. So I called the Michigan-Michigan State game this year, which before it became known for the altercation in the tunnel after the fact, I looked at it as an incredible opportunity for Michigan to explore their downfield passing game against a Michigan State secondary that's been one of the worst in college football for the last two seasons. And I went, and I kept watching, and I kept looking, and I kept waiting. And they kept not going downfield, and it kept not happening. And I had a lot of questions about that. So when you look at the Ohio State game, those were big plays in pressure spots, right? J.J. McCarthy getting the ball out against blitz blitz looks. Ronnie Bell and those guys being able to make plays that turned into long touchdowns against an Ohio State team that said, hey, we're going to load up the box, and we're not going to let you do this to us up front. And they were very successful in that. And so I look at that, and now for Ronnie, for Cornelius Washington, for that receiver core – Going up against, listen, uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson is the one that certainly gets a lot of the press clippings, but both TCU games I covered this year, Josh Newton kept jumping off the page. Like on that other side, when he was challenged, he stepped up to the plate. But, you know, I had Oklahoma State and Iowa State, which obviously the latter wasn't super competitive, but tons of pass breakups in that game. Two guys that you could trust so that you can do a little bit more up front and you can let that linebacker core and D-line play a little bit faster downhill because you trust those guys on the back end. So that's a really interesting matchup and one that I think is going to go a long way in deciding the margin of this game because that was a big thing for Michigan and they're going to get back to their bread and butter. No, obviously Blake Quorum, but Donovan Edwards is an incredible back and they've got the best offensive line in college football, the winners of the Joe Moore award. But I think that matchup on the outside is really underrated. See, it's a, that was kind of leads into the next question for me there, where you say, uh, you know, Michigan is going to get back to their style of ball, which is obviously, uh, you know, the ground game and using that great offensive line. TCU wants to make this more of a track meet, I would guess. Is it easier? Is that more of a challenging thing for TCU? Why is it that, that when teams want to get into that track meet style, it feels like it's it's more difficult to get into their style of game than to get into some of that blue collar football that Michigan wants to play? Well, listen, I think at the end of the day, like, you simplify the equation a little bit when you're saying why is it easier to do that. Like, going downhill is the simplest form of football in general, right? It's why coaches love it so much because they're all really risk-averse. 
it's easy to just run duo, hand the ball off, and then like we saw late in that game for Michigan, hey, guy busts a 70-yard run, and that's gravy because you're really just looking for like three to five yards on any given play. Uh, and, and so I think that's uh, just kind of a huge part of it. It's the simplest form of all this versus, you know, when you go and try and speed things up or you're trying to go downfield, there's a little bit, you know, slimmer margin for error. All of a sudden, everything becomes a little bit more important in that process. You know, there can be some boom or bust to that, which TCU's had to deal with this year, and it's why they've been down in some of these games very early on and had to claw their way back in, but they're also capable of clawing their way back in because you've got a viable deep, uh, deep threat. You've got some other explosive options in there. You've got a quarterback who's at the college level, a viable run threat and a really tough kid. So all those things can kind of lend themselves well. DraftKings college football analyst Mike Golick Jr. here on 105.3 The Fan uh, via the Diamond Factory hotline. How are you looking at the other game? Is this an, is this an unlucky matchup for Georgia against Ohio State? I don't trust Ohio State enough in the places that we've had questions about them all year. Now, I will give them some credit and grace. I thought looking back at the Michigan game, uh, JT JT Tuiamalo and that defensive line, I thought acquitted themselves better than they got credit for after that game. The line of scrimmage was not dominated by Michigan that day by any stretch of the imagination on defense. On offense, it's a different story. And Ohio State all year – has, we know, been known for Marvin Harrison Jr. and C.J. Stroud. And, you know, even when Travion Henderson went down, Mayan Williams and the job that he was able to do in the backfield. But that offensive line, Paris Johnson's a great player. You know, uh, Dewan Jones, these are names that we know and guys that will play pretty lucrative NFL football. But that's not a group that can go out there and physically beat anyone right now. We saw it against Michigan. We saw it against Northwestern. They can run with anybody, but they cannot get downhill and get bloody. And when you go back to the last Ohio State team to win meaningful games, uh, you know, and win a national title, Ohio State in 2014 was beating people upside the head with a run game with Zeke Elliott and that offensive line. And they can't go downhill at people like that right now. And against this Georgia team that, listen, doesn't get after the quarterback incredibly well uh, and, and certainly is not last year's defense, the biggest area it impacts you is the red zone. And I think that's the biggest thing for Ohio State is if you're not going to make big plays in this game, you're, gonna have, you're really going to have to be relying on that because we saw against Michigan's defense. You got down into the red zone, and Ohio State had been one of the best touchdown scoring teams in the red zone in college football this season. Settled for field goals and had an empty trip in the red zone against Michigan. You're going up against Georgia, the number one defense in red zone efficiency in college football, because they're incredibly you know ruthless and physical up front, but also incredibly efficient. The system that Kirby runs on the back end, and so I think at the core of this, Georgia is just built too powerfully in the area where right now Ohio State has kind of gotten away from that Big Ten identity up front on the offensive line. All right, Mike. So uh, we are in Dallas. Dallas fans always love to hear the uh, the national praise. I know you are the president of the Zach Martin fan club, your former teammate there at Notre Dame. Uh, just just want to give you an opportunity to, to heap praise on, on to Zach Martin and uh, how he and the offensive line are playing here in Dallas. I, I tell you what, one of the coolest things that I, I think we'll see this entire NFL season and one of the most selfless, and it ties into, you know, what you're able to do because of Zach, but when you got Tyron Smith back and you have a future Hall of Famer who is coming back from a season-long injury and has played left tackle since 2011 for that team, 
and who gets I, I you know positive this idea. Hey, Tyler Smith, our rookie, is settled in over here at left tackle. He's young. We don't want to take him out of this. We want to get the best five in the field. How do you feel about going over to right? And better yet, hey, Jason Peters, future Hall of Famer, how do you feel about rotating in with Tyron Smith <laughs> at right tackle next to Zach Martin here? That's insane. That's insane that two Hall of Famers were rotating on the right side of that line and making it work well. Like, yeah, there were a couple of spots where Tyron was laid off the ball, but watching him and Zach Martin get to work next to each other, just gold jacket double teams all the live long day has been one of the joys of this entire season. And it's what makes that room special. Like, you know, I, I, I played with Tyron Smith coming out in the Army All-American game. I obviously played with Zach at Notre Dame the entire time we were there two incredibly selfless teammates. And for Zach, who has been resurgent in the last year, you know, getting he- as you know, healthy as humanly possible again to be the thing that holds down this offensive line in the midst of so much change. Zach Martin, when he came into the league, was sort of the final capstone for a Dallas offensive line that had been collecting parts. Think Thanos getting that final infinity, infinity stone in the gauntlet before they became the best offensive line in football for a while. Now on the other side, he's really that flex piece that's allowed them to weather the storm of some change and some injury at all these positions. And watching his consistency throughout the years has been exactly what we all saw day in and day out at practice every day at Notre Dame. Zach is a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. We'll have a conversation for maybe one of the best, if not the best, cards in the history of pro football. And it'll be cool to tell kids that at one point <laughs> I played next to that guy, and uh, I will then be able to overstate my own career accomplishments <laughs> because if you say you played next to a guy like Zach Barton, clearly you must have been pretty good, even if that's not necessarily the case. Then you show them the Oreos and mayonnaise, and bam, you're a legend, your kid's mom. <laughs> exactly. What an example I'll be setting for the youth. <laughs> hey, man, this was fantastic. We'd love to have you on anytime. Enjoy all the upcoming football, man, and safe travels. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Mike Golick Jr. on behalf of DraftKings on the Diamond Factory Hotline. Babe Laufenberg in Nashville getting you ready for tonight after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 